Good day, good evening, good night, good afternoon, and welcome to episode number eight. I think I am correct in the Black Cauldron. We're really excited today because apparently Janina said I wrote a lot of notes, and <laughs> we have to try to get through it because we're we're organized today. I think in episode seven we weren't so organized, but in episode eight we're gonna try to be really sexy and cute and organized as we try to go through book four but um the goblet of fire and of course in the black cauldron we're dealing with harry potter i know some people like i'm not really into the harry potter i mean i get that but you know if you like what we do on the tennis podcast you would definitely love what we do here it's the same set of people and plus we have deb just saying it's even better it's even better because we're dealing with magical world, but unfortunately, the magical world is just as shitty as the real world, unfortunately. <laughs> so, as we're coming to learn, right? right? But before I go any further, let me introduce my co hostesses with the mostesses. We have first the lady who keeps us honest and intellectual and on our toes. We have Deb, Professor Deb. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How's everybody on your end? I'm looking forward to getting even deeper into our book and um, you put some really important things out there on our on our um, upline, so we should have a good discussion. Looking forward Ooh, to it. I, I feel so impressed by that. We and we're, and, and on my outline. end, we're off a cuff to you. We, we, I'm, I'm free to be outside beyond 8 o'clock, so even <laughs> I can be outside before the streetlight turn on. Don't do it. It's a trap. <laughs> I can be out there after the streetlight turn on, I should say, rather. I can't, but I know. Yeah, I'm keeping my black ass at home. And in order to write this, because, I mean, you can't be doing these bullet points, not even bullet points, these essays, Janine, say, and be outside running up and down. You just can't. And how are you, Janine, from far in Ohio? I'm good. I had a lot of reading to do this morning so I could be prepared for this because, you know, I asked for an outline and I got a 20,000-word essay. Um. (laughs) I don't even need her to know that you're lying. I don't even need that. I know you're lying. (laughs) I'm using Legelement, and I know you are lying right now. Don't even play us. Don't even play us. So, uh, but you know, hey, okay. I too can be on after the streetlights come on. You always can. I mean, you live in Ohio. I mean, y'all just yeah, <laughs> y'all should be outside period because the whole of the conversation, you know. Fine. So in book, so in the first episode, I thought that, you know, in my mind, I was just like, hmm, there's a conversation on point. But then I listened to the whole thing and I thoroughly enjoyed it. I mean, we're on point as always. Excellent job, ladies. I mean, I mean, I am nothing without you ladies. So I think where we ended last time, we ended when Harry was at the Quidditch World Cup and everything is just like he's excited. Ron has money in his pocket. Uh, The team that they wanted to win Ireland has won. They're excited. They got like, I don't know if they were eating good food, but, you know, I presume that they were. But they definitely had cool toys to play with. Everything was exciting. Everything was fun. And they're heading back to their magical um, tent. I want one of those tents, though, just putting it out there. I thought that's really cool because for me, I'm just going to build a house and that's going to be my house, right? So I can move my house where I want to (laughs) go. If I could have a tent like that, I would go camping. Like, for real, I would actually go. Not even camping. Forget camping. I'm going to leave my ordinary domicile and just live (laughs) in a tent. I'm going to live in the tent. Because I can move it anywhere I want to, right? And I mean, we know that you can control the weather using magic. So 
I don't even need to worry about all of that stuff. So I could one week I could be on the beach, and next week I could be in the mountains. If I want a little, you know, uh, I could probably go hang out in that Antarctica for a bit if I want to. Because there are no polar bears in Antarctica. I'm not fucking with the Arctic Circle. Nope, not happening. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you just want the penguins, right? <laughs> right. You know, and the penguins, only predators, it's actually in the water. So I don't have to worry about because, you know, right, right. why would I even want to go into that water? <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's all fun if I had one of those tents. So they're in the tent, and then, you know, basically. Mayhem and pandemonium breaks out because we see muggle baiting, I think they call it, or muggle torturing, where they basically dock the Death Eaters, who we have... I don't know if we've met them... Or heard, yes, we've heard the word before in book three. Um, we've actually seen one in physical, in the flesh, and we don't see one. We see a whole bunch of them running around, and they're basically... I think it's just... They're just walking all over the tents, if I'm not mistaken, you know, burning down tents, you know, yeah. all over the place. And have the muggle people, the muggles who were, I guess, in charge of the land, their camping grounds in real life. Um, they have them floating up in the air, twisting them all over the place, bobbing up and down in midair. And all of the qualified wizards, and I'm presuming witches, but apparently it's only wizards, rush to the aid, aid of these people. But no one exactly knows what's, what ADS are providing because they continue doing it. Harry is forced to, they're told to go into the forest. They meet Draco. Draco is acting like Draco, you know, like, yeah, they're coming for you next, Mudblood. I think she first I have a question about this because mm-hmm. I've, I've, you know, been through this book so many times. I'm still really unsure about why they would be told to go into the forest. Why was that the safe space for the kids? Why weren't they told to like go in the tent, sit down, shut up, and don't come back until I get you? While well, we they were burning the tents. They were clearly trampling on tents and sending them on fire. That's that. That's because that's it just not, didn't make sense to me right, at all. Exactly. You know how I feel about the magical response to magical problems, right? It just seemed to be, it almost seemed to be that they're being like regular people. That would be my response if, you know, someone is being panicky. You know what I mean? Like if if, if a threat comes in, I mean, I'm camping with a group of people. I'm going to be like, go hide somewhere in the forest, right? Because get out of the clearing, because presumably that's where the person would easily spot us around the fight, the clearing, right? Because they're not tent, they're not camping. I believe not necessarily around that tree, but you know, it's the forest. If they're burning, well, if they're burning tents, like, hello, put the fire out. (laughs) You have (laughs) one. I I, I got the impression that when they first send them out into the into the forest, they're not exactly sure who's doing. They haven't really. They don't really know where these people are likely to pop up and I think they're figuring that they can be together if they, they huddle in the woods and not and not in a tent where they're likely to be, you know, kind of caught up into the the vandalism that's going on. Yeah, that's the impression I got to. And I, and I got the impression, I don't know, um, that people were sort of joining in that they were leading this procession of having these muggles up because presumably 
I think it only needs two magical, two wizards to do that. But it's a group of them. They're, they're, they're wearing their, their usual regalia, the mask, the hooded figures, etc. Um, I think in this is likened to various historic... I think there is... The most recent, I guess, incarnation we can think of the KKK. And, but I think there is some allusion to European history in terms of like um, like dark ages, centuries, you know, people are running on Knights of the Templar, some in that sort of vein. Not necessarily Knights of the Templar before you people come, but you know, the hooded secret society, sort of like masonry type of thing where they're often covered, hooded. That's a usual um, plot device, I think, in, in those stories, etc., and details for those things. Um, but I guess for me, it is what, what I thought was rather interesting was some important details is that when Harry goes into the forest ahead, they meet Draco, Harry then realizes he doesn't have his wand. Right. Which, again, is one of those things that's like, people, you're in the magical world, like, you should find a way where your wand is surgically implanted into your hand. Because in this world, nothing else works, right? Because it's been said time and time again, regular muggle appliances don't work in this area. There's too much magic in the air, particularly specific magical areas like where school is, where the hospital is. I mean, I don't know how this necessarily may apply to a muggle region, the Forest of Dean. But I presume that there's so much magic, they've mentioned that they have to put up a tons and tons of magical protection um, in order to in order to work this, make this huge event possible. Then I'm like, how could you not, not have your wand? Like, how is your wand not the thing that you think of immediately? Like, it is almost like as you put on your glasses, you pick up your wand. Like, it's. It's it's just the thing that I, I I keep wondering like how these children they didn't even as there is a threat we don't know exactly what this threat is that they don't even all have their wands out. Well, I think I was I was kind of okay with Harry not having his wand because it seemed like um so you know they're they're enjoying the match he's having fun he's looking through the omnioculars and everything is just relaxed and you feel like you don't need to be you know you don't need it and he had it in his pocket but you know he would this was they were awakened by this by this ruckus so he was you know he just now i agree with reels i mean he put his glasses on right you would think that he would reach for his wand the same way for his glasses right but But, he didn't but he went he went back to the tent went to bed didn't realize he didn't even have his wand Right, right. So and you see what I'm saying? You take your glasses off and put down your wand, you know. Right, because the, the, the thing about it, it's not even so much so the sequence of events for necessarily him, per se, that I am questioning. Uh, which, but, but Hermione had her wand. Right, Hermione had her wand. Well, and, she's I mean, smarter than them. We know this. <laughs> but, 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 but do you not see this as a thing that makes their reaction? a wizard reaction as opposed yeah. to my reaction yeah you know yeah I, mean? no, I, I get it i just wasn't bothered by it i just thought you know he hadn't needed it in quite some time um so he probably figured that it was the last place that he left it and it wasn't i was fine with that i, I don't know i I'm, i just keep finding that again for me it might be the 
it might be from an intellectually intellectual point in terms of like I don't understand how these children, how the world doesn't operate, where, where magic is the only thing that can function in this world. Survival is is supposedly built up, built on magic, and yet in so many instances, your response isn't necessarily magic. If you get what I'm saying, you have these complex yeah. problems created yeah. by magic and magical forces. Our magical politics is at play. But oftentimes you just like, oh, put your hand up. I don't know what to do. I mean, <laughs> I mean, you literally have a stick in your hand that could make the improbable probable, right? So, you know, that that to me was like, hmm. But you know, I don't want to get down too bogged down in the weeds here because we have a whole book to go. They're not even at school yet. But so they are in this, they get to this safe space where they presumably it's safe here. You know, uh, Hermione is the only one who seems to be aware of the potential danger that's happening here. Ron, who is magical, um, uh, pure blood in this sense, in the sense that he grew up in a magical family. His whole world is built around magic. Hermione and Harry are not, uh, they're muggle-born and they grew up in muggle society, I should say rather. And they have this situation where it's like, what? Like, I don't understand. Ron is just like, I don't know what's going on. What's the big deal? I mean, he is he is upset by the, he felt that the the um the torture was not necessarily well, it is torture because I mean these people are aware that they're above ground and they could drop in any moment. Um but they he's just like, I don't get what's the big deal is going on here, and she's just like, Do you not understand who these people are? You know, and this all this madness is happening. And, and and this sort of confusion, Ron would continue this like be like, I don't know what the big deal is, etc. And Harry's just like, huh? What's happening? I mean, like okay. Um, by the same token, even though Ron has grown up in the magical world, I can't imagine that people are sitting around talking about the dark mark um through most of his life because that happened if he's he's slightly older than Harry so it hasn't been seen right uh, this never happened during his lifetime certainly not in a, in a time where he's been aware of it where he but, would have been conscious of it and I can't believe that this is something that they're sitting around the dinner table discussing even though there is part of their magical background it's been part of their magical history um, but I would I mean, yes, I, I, I could see that, not necessarily having this conversation with children, because it's very clear right. that they're keeping certain information of children. I right. would say, okay, that makes sense in that regard. But then I would counter that by saying, but then you have the thing, the, the, literal, the literal magical artifact in terms of Harry, that responsible for the end of that situation. But that because doesn't that mean he knows what it looks like no, when it's happening. No, no, in the sense that it's very clear because Voldemort's reign of terror was ended prematurely. There was no, it's very clear that there wasn't a plan of action that, and right. we would see this played out in this book per se, that there wasn't a plan of action to, to really conquer and defeat him. Like this wasn't right. a war effort that defeated Germany per se. And right. he ended prematurely. So, and then that thing that um, is, is present now in front of us. We're seeing the living legend Harry Potter. 
everyone knows Harry Potter. Everybody knows he brought about the end of the dialogue. No one seems to be kind of questioning how this was possible, right? Because it's a baby. It's not to say, like, it's James Potter who is alive, uh, Lily Potter. It's the baby, right? It, it is the thing that... Because most people didn't even expect, because most people presume that Harry wasn't even aware, isn't even aware that he was the target. It's really him. He sees this, but he, he, it doesn't click in his head that if Voldemort is saying, girl, step aside, that he is the target. But I think most people sort of miss that bit too. That, But then we, we would see the presumably really the target. But what I'm saying is just like no one questions any of this. Like, you know, like how did he think? So to me, I would expect that the conversation, some people, it would have been curious because all the only thing Ron ever asked Harry, so you don't remember anything? And Ron is just Harry's just like, nope, just a light, and that's it. And that's the end of the conversation. They've never had another, well, we don't have any evidence to say that they've ever had any other subsequent conversation. And particularly these children seeing that... I'm sorry? I don't find that strange. I don't either. Oh, I was like... You find it strange as an adult because you would continue to ask. A child would... You you ask a kid a question, they don't know the answer. They don't come back to that. No, but I I would be that because... I mean, and and I'm putting Hermione out of this conversation because, I mean, Hermione is the one who's reading... but, read about it, and 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 she's read her. She's read wizarding history. She has read everything. The rise and fall of the dark art. Yeah, like, she she's been involved everything. in all of that. But yeah, my question is that particularly since these students, these three children, are aware of the unique threat that Harry is, right? That the unique position that he is placed in. They don't have all of the information as they would have by when we get to books five and six, per se, book six, right? But they must know that, you know, that it's very clear that he is a, he has a, he's a special place in magical history. And knowing the magical present, he is a potential target. He's a threat, right? And even if, okay, we discredit the first three years, you know, um, Serious is noting, Harry, be careful, yada, yada, yada. Not just to get ahead of yourself. And they do nothing. And they being Harry, there is absolutely, I know there are children and whatever the case may be. It's just like this, like he doesn't seek any kind of information. He just keeps, you know, rolling along. It's all fine, yada, yada, yada. I mean, remember, I mean, he even says at some point, um, um, after they get back to the, the tent, um, he he thought he he said three years ago it felt like much longer. It had only been three days. He had awoken with his scar burning, and tonight for the first time in 13 years, Lord Voldemort's mark had appeared in the sky. What did these things mean? He thought of the letter he had written to Sirius before leaving Privet Drive. Would Sirius have got it yet? When would he reply? Harry lay looking up at the canvas, but no flying fantasies came to him now to ease him to sleep. And it was a long time after Charlie's snores filled the tent that Harry finally dozed off. So Harry is aware that these things are connected, but he doesn't know how they're connected. 
And we have to remember that he never really wants to ask that question because right. he doesn't want people putting themselves in harm's way for him. He did ask that question in the beginning, though. In the first book, but Dom Dodo said, I will not tell you the answer. Right. He does say that. But I I, I mean, I think you hit, I, I think you both have get into something I thought is rather interesting. I just thought of as we were talking. It might be that if he is to actually investigate these any further than what's happening, because he knows what his past life is like, whatever, he doesn't care. He has to, because as an abused child and his happiness is so precarious, he can only deal with, he can only deal with what's happening right now. He's only concerned with what's happening right now. He can't yeah. necessarily think into future he doesn't want to deal with the past. He can only deal with the right now. Well, and he's, I, also, I that. he's also afraid that if he uncovers something. It might threaten the present and the future. It's gonna and it's going to threaten where he's going to be. And we even see that later in this book where, you know, he talks about this is the first time that he's ever considered even not wanting to be at Hogwarts. This has always been his happy place. And then when he gets in the midst of the Triwizard Tournament and things start going wrong or, or you no, know, it's when he's nervous about it starting, he's like, God, I don't even know if I want to be here. But then he says, but this isn't so bad compared to what I would have to go through if I was back at the Dursleys. So he's, yeah. there's, there's this constant struggle of what's worse in the Dursleys is always the worst. And he doesn't right. want to do anything okay. to get himself sent back there. And, and, and he the, saw, go ahead, Dan. Without sounding like a broken record, Harry's a reactor. He only, he, right now, he is only in a react mode to all of these things that come, come up. I mean, he's starting to ask some questions, which means he's thinking longer term like writing the letter to Sirius and, mm -hmm. you know, what could these things possibly mean? But up until, I would say, until the end of this book, Harry's pretty much still reacting to circumstances and not being a proactive and not taking, you know, full-on action for what's going on in his life. Right. Okay, I would say. And I would, and to add to all of this, I would say that, you know, to add um, more evidence to your point of view is that look what happened at the end of book three right he right. projected into the future you know oh i'm gonna live with Sirius, and that got taken away just like that yep. so he can only deal with the, what's happening in the present because you it know? never works for him it never he, the, the future isn't guaranteed for yeah him, it's so. never it's never come out in a way that is pleasurable for him right when he does that so moving on Okay, fair point, fair point. Thank you, ladies. Um, so the dark mark is conjured, as we know. It's conjured in the hair voice. Someone conjures the spell. Um, a man, which is the thing. The funny thing is that no one says it's a man's voice, right? It's, everyone says it's definitely not Winky, but no one points out <laughs> to say. I thought I kept looking like surely somebody is going to say. Didn't they say they saw like a man though? No, they didn't see anything. Oh. They said they heard they heard something over there, and oh. because Harry looks, Harry is aware that there is something, some movement happening over there, and as he goes to look, and he is he keeps trying to see, they then hear the voice, 
in the dark markets conjured. And I don't even know how they know exactly where the dark markets conjured from, right? That's the part that got me like, what? Like, okay. So yeah, I'll figure it out. 20 wizards show up and immediately, and this is the thing that bothers me tremendously, immediately, no questions asked, 20 stunning spells are fired. Harry, right. the reactor that he is, he, he is think, and you know, the thing that I, I, I love about Harry is that in these crazy situations, Ron and Hermione, I was just like, huh, huh, uh, what, uh, and Harry was just like, bitch, we gotta move, we gotta move, like, he knows like, instinctually, and, and, I'm, and, and I'm cool with that, but it's just like, you would think after time and time again, it's in book seven, you see Hermione being more of a reactor in that situation. Because um, she saved their lives so many times. But at this point, you know what I mean? They don't they don't get it. They're always... They, I think it's because they believe in the safety as children that they are safe. Harry doesn't have that luxury. Never had that luxury. That safety as a child is not a thing. And you could see this is just to be, you know, how he grew up as opposed to how they grew up, right? They right. they're always treated like children. They're always loved and hugged, and you know, like they get attention too much, too little. But you know, Harry is treated constantly like you are nothing. You don't exist except a beast of burden, and your physical safety is shaky at most times. And we see that just for like two days. In three books so far, right? We right, <laughs> see that yeah. like right. we don't even get the full on scope. So he's he that that reaction time that Deb and reacting that Deb speaks about, you know, it's forged from that. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. a, you know, he saved their life because I mean, twenty stunning spell is going to kill somebody. It, it is right. going to kill somebody. Like I do not understand how they think this is. And and what struck me reading the book this time for this podcast is that. Their reaction for this dark mark, just the mark in the sky, right? They they're not even because supposedly the mark is conjured when somebody's dead somewhere. They're not even looking for a body. Because they, <laughs> they didn't look for a body, right? They didn't look for a body. Right? I think they yeah, because what's more scary to them is the idea of of the Death Eaters and that mark in the sky. You know, it's interesting, Reels, because just in terms of what you just said, makes me realize how how often in the magical world, wizards are more afraid of symbols or more afraid of things that are connected to the Dark Lord than they even are of him. Yeah. Of, of, the, or, of what he does. Um, I think that there's been such an atmosphere of fear around them and they totally let their guard down um, after he was supposedly vanquished by this baby that every time they see a whisper of it, they overreact. Look how they overreacted with Sirius. They bring in Dementors and now they do the same thing. They see that mark and they shoot out 20 stunning spells because they have not done anything. It's like you said in the beginning, you know, this does oh, they are they just grabbed hold of that idea that he's gone and he's been vanquished by a baby. They haven't asked any questions. Nothing. They just did nothing. Like right. So they haven't so when things when there is a when there is evidence that maybe there's not it's not as they think it is, they overreact. 
well, and this is the thing that I thought was odd because it should have been clear that the baby was the target. Because right. Because if four people are in a room and only one and a half survive, it's clear that the one that survived, right, who is defenseless, was the last person on the list. And I think they're aware of it because I think someone described it as being maybe he just wanted to do a clean, make a clean job of it, right? Kill the baby at one point, right? But we are aware that the baby did something, that, that something yeah. happened as opposed to when he attempted to kill two full-grown, qualified, and spectacular by all accounts, right? That these, that Harry, I mean, Lily and James were no slouch in the magical department, mm-hmm. particularly right. Lily, right? That Lily right. seems to have been, Snape is intelligent, Sirius is intelligent, Lupin is intelligent, like, these people were like in the magical Mensa society, basically running around here. Magical me, Mensa. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and to me, Lily is that we will find out that Lily is a wizard potion. And if you were up there with Snape and Slughorn, I'm just saying, like, yeah. you. You were special. Yeah. You were special. But mm-hmm. what I thought was really odd was that there you had the Death Eaters running around, literally doing shit. And you are unsure what to do in that response, in that situation. But a mark is conjured some way, and y'all like, boom, action. Forget the muggle. Let's go go after this mark that's somewhere. And right. you're right there in terms of this symbol. But this is the question that I, I, I'm asking, and it's very... Because we talk about this when this pops up in book two. How easy these notions of mudbloods and blood um, pure blood how easy these things are like said in whispers and people seem to be okay with this because literally that is the foundation of supposedly i mean i believe there is some other to me i always suspect that voldemort has an ulterior motive he wanted to push magic beyond the regular bounds and he's just using this muggle pure blood business just to conjure up supporters so that he don't have to be doing all the heavy lifting. But oh, yeah. I think I think we we find that out in the later book. I mean, there is a reason why when when we get we get things about him that they tell the prime minister, for example. I mean, because he does not intend for his reign to remain just in the wizarding world. He intends he intends world domination. Right. But the thing that strikes me is that his whole, in terms of the politics of it, right, the, the, the messaging, because he has a message, it's built off of the blood business, right? Yeah, Who because is full blood. Works. He, racism works. It works, right, because, because <laughs> that, that, that's my point, because everyone, so many people within the society are comfortable with these notions. Yep. Because yep. let me tell you something. If we are to take mud blood as being the word nigger there's only but few schools in united states of america that a white child can say that word and then not be some kind of repercussion to a student and right. he just has to say that one time this isn't something he can just easily say over and over again despite that you know he might get off with the situation you know we know how these you know they won't you know the white child is redeemable but it's not a thing that will be comfortably said within in public discourse. Because very easily you see how... Because like I said, you had the whole bloody world right there. 
right? The whole world was there from United States, England, Ireland, Bulgaria. Everybody and their grandmother was there. And 12 people showed up as dead eaters, right? And right. held up three people. And the response was lackluster. Nothing. <laughs> they did nothing. Could you imagine that? I mean, could you imagine you going into like a soccer stadium, right? You go into a soccer stadium and 12 of you, just 12 of you hold up signs saying some kind of defamation nonsense, right? Like some, right. you know, some racist nonsense. Now, granted, you know it's a soccer pitch, so you know that's going to play real easy. It's only the police going to show up at you, right? That's going to play really easy because it's a soccer crowd. And European soccer, they're comfortable with that idea. And I think it's the part that is often missed when we talk about the book in the movies are the magical world. We easily break this song as good versus evil and how, you know, Harry, everybody was good and just Voldemort was powerful. Voldemort is not in the picture here. Voldemort to everybody in except these three children, basically. Voldemort is dead and destroyed. Only these three children, basically, are aware that Voldemort... I don't think that's true. I don't think that's true because... Um, the World Cup, because it, it's very no, creative. I don't think so. I really don't, because Dumbledore knows, and we know that he has a circle of people that he deals with, and he says, I've heard that he's here or there or whatever. Let me tell and, you something. I hear what you're saying. I agree with that, but I'm, I'm not disputing Dumbledore, whatever the case to me. But if you read throughout the books, right, you would see just the main mention of Voldemort causes this panic. There is this very few people are grasping the idea that this man exists, even when he fully exists. Right. I, I think, I think though, one of the things that what makes it work for me is I think that that's a very, even though they're wiz, they have their wizards and their magic is a gift and it's, a, it's setting them apart from ordinary human beings. They have a very human reaction to, yeah. um, to, to these kind of politics and ideas and threats. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, they, and, and, they I, and I think they're comfortable with many of these ideas themselves. Exactly. That's what, that's the only reason that he could have ever come to power in the first place. Mm-hmm. Is that they were comfortable, or they were, or they were comfortable with the ideas because it put them in a circle of influence, like Lucius Malfoy, um, mm-hmm. that gave them the status that they wanted. So you know, he could have whatever he decided was going to be, this is the way we look at the world. But, you know, you also have families like the Black family that have been like that forever. They have always right. been, you know, that, that fan, that, they have always been that way. So he is able to, to conjure up these people, to get them to do his bidding, to get them to act this way. He doesn't have to do it. They acted this way out of their own uh, prejudices and their own Hooglanism. So he didn't that have is, to, he wasn't the one who was directing them. And this is why I suspect it's why I think it would be mentioned somewhere in this book, why I think the Weasleys are poor. Mm-hmm. It's because they don't necessarily align themselves with this business. That's right. Because if you notice, like everybody else who is um, serious, for example, and um, Andromeda Black, who is Tonk's mother, who we would meet later on. She's Bellatrix's sister. Look how these people are set apart when they just get rid of the old line. 
right? They're just like, nope, not into this business. They are set, they are set in the almost the outskirts of magical society. Yeah. They're immediately set apart. They're rejected immediately. And in many ways, they're almost can't. I don't know if it's 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 again. This might be something that in I don't know if it can necessarily is any narrator or she's just telling what's happening. They often set as rebel rebels criminal element, and many cases in many cases many people who leave the old line they end up dead. Yeah, and this is the thing that and 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 very oddly from not very oddly but very interesting. I don't know if this is something that. J.K. Rowling, because you know how she progress, how progressive she is, if she's naturally um, thinking about these things because they don't necessarily come out in clear terms, is that because everyone is so comfortable with this level of, that's for lack of a better word here, racism, um, that she doesn't, that this is why we have so much problems in this thing. They're holding on to this old line, this yeah, old man, this line that has no and and never 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 once in any of the books have anyone pointed out what does having pure blood how does that apply in real life like what does that do you know what I mean like it doesn't do anything I mean it it it, it doesn't do anything except being used as a way to categorize or to separate I mean there is a there is a point in the book where Harry even asked what was the point of levitating Muggles. And he said, Harry, that's their, I Mr. Weasley, that's their idea of fun. Half the muggle killings back when you know who was in power were done for fun. I suppose they had a few drinks tonight and couldn't resist reminding us all that lots of them are still at large. Mm-hmm. And, and they, then Ron asked, well, why did they leave? When Why did they run away when they saw the dark mark? Use your brains, Ron, said Bill. If they really were Death Eaters, they worked really hard to keep out of Azkaban when you know who lost power, told all sorts of lies about him forcing them to kill and torture people. I bet they're even more frightened than the rest of, the, of us to see him come back. So even though they don't, you know, when they really are confronted with the possibility of Voldemort's return, they, they're right now, they're just having a good time bullying people. They're yep. just having a good time using that idea of... Um, <laughs> not one of us, wizard, to just, you know, just torture somebody. And they They're say, just they, assholes. Yeah, exactly. Well, this this, this is the part that annoyed me the most, because this is this is why I think I mentioned this last week. It's just like, these muggles shouldn't have been there. There was no reason to have these, these muggles there in the first place. And they were only serving in a servant capacity. Right. And, and this just shows, you know, how insidious... The, the nature of all of this m- blood business sort of goes, right? That they were there just being these, like, mindless drone servant slaves. And, you know, I just want to segue into sort of Winky, because one of the interesting things with Winky, again, is the sense of justice, right? So then they come, they almost kill these three children. No question, right. actually, pop up and just, boom, fire my gun. I mean, like, these people are like and, police. Doesn't that sound familiar? I mean, sad, sad. And children, right? It, it Arthur has to come in because he, he's one of them who pops up, right? And they don't know if he actually casts a spell, but he says, you know, like, heck, that's my child there. You know, these are my people. And they're looking around and they find Winky 
and immediately Winky Gill is assumed immediately. Just yeah. she, she was, as I would say, she got caught holding a smoking gun, and yeah. you know, Winky is, and I'm just like, like there are 20 qualified wizards up in here. Y'all work at the ministry. Somebody got some OWLs and some NEWT, <laughs> and no one is asking the right questions. Like, homegirl, can you tell us the spell? Because then it, then it's like, um, what's his name? Arthur has to be like, the children don't even know. Like, who knows this spell? Right, right. And and you'd have to be a fully trained wizard to be able to do this. So what are you talking about? Right, and it's just like you know, and they're ready to be like, and and though you know, even though her guilt is, it's clear that she cannot be guilty. They are ready to be like, oof. We still no, gotta punish want, her anyway. We they want get... They have to punish somebody. They have to do something to someone, right? This is what they do. This is what they did with Sirius. This is what they do. They quickly look around because they want. They don't want to really do any deep, deep diving into what could possibly have happened here. They want to quickly solve the case. You know, like Columbo in 60 Minutes. They want to solve the case. And here's Winky, and she's holding the wand, and she must be the one. Even though, you know, chances are, how would she have known how to do the spell? Right. I don't know. This is, this is you know, when I started, you know, when I read the book, I was just like, oh, all this business about the magical world. And as I kept reading, it's like, oh, no, this place is a mess. Like, yeah. I do not want to find myself involved in this society. And, and he turned on, you know, but, you know, when I read this book this time, I realized, you know, we get this idea that Crouch is becoming unhinged, but we see this very early. I don't think I realized how early we see that Crouch is like unhinged. Oh, yeah. But, but uh, when I found out his full story, right. I kind of understood. But the, the part that frightened <laughs> me with Crouch is two things. It's how it's the impression everyone gets of Crouch, right? Is that he's like too stickler for the rules, and right. in some cases right. he's inventing he sends his rules. Own son to Azkaban. He sends his own son to Azkaban, and I was just like, I don't know what y'all wanted to do actually, um, him to do because I mean, you know what I'm saying? Not you know twisting any no spoilers here, but I mean. And in the book, in in the illustrated copy that Deb and I have, he's painted as a Hitler figure. He has <laughs> reminiscence of Hitler, and I'm just yep. like, like what? Like, and but again, it goes back to like the whole. And, and no one is addressing this problem because it is the because I don't because it it makes me ask a question: Is that the way in which we know so far and well know in this book, it seems to me the problem that the magical world had was that they didn't like who the leader was. The leader was doing too much. And and and, and, and it's the same thing historically, right? When Hitler seemed to have been concentrating only on Jewish people, Europe said nothing. We're just like, mm, all right, okay, so Jewish people, whatever. But then when Hitler said, you know what, hey, as we're doing this, how about we just, you know, pick up France, pick up Poland, yeah. and, you know, let's let's just let's just as um, Amy Cizier says, you know, Hitler decided to treat white people the same way they had reserved 
strictly for black and brown people. You know, and this is this is why the reaction to Hitler is so like over the top in many ways. Like they're just like, oh my God, no, Hitler, we've got to get rid of it and all of this mess. And when you see white people look like, oh, how dare you call me a Nazi, whatever it is, like, you are doing Nazi policies. This is exactly what the Nazi were doing. Right. Like, you know, and, and because I'm just like, y'all are all problematic. Voldemort, it's not even in the picture, but like last right. year, you, you literally put um Hagrid in jail in book two for no goddamn reason. Just for image. Like you had no evidence back then. You don't have no evidence today that Hagrid had anything to do with the Chamber of Secrets. And you put him in jail. Right. And was just very casual and light about it. Just like, hey, we gotta be seen to be doing something. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, what the f- is going on with these people like how how is any of this how is any of this making any sense you know someone that I, I know someone um i think somewhere on the internet someone mentioned you know the ministry of magic is fasc- is fascist because there's no elections to elect this minister and he alone seems to be running everything like you know like <laughs> no i never like you know like there's no elections people just appointed like this is a ceo of a company like the Ministry of Magic is basically a company, a Fortune 500 company. Yeah. People don't have a say, you know, like, it's only when there's bad PR you lose your job. And everything seemed to be trying to, like, quell on the magical society. And the magical society seemed not to be asking any real pertinent question. They're just looking for salacious details. And we will meet up, you know, we then get a taste of Rita Skeeter's, you know, how Rita Skeeter sort of operate. Um... I don't want us to be. Um, I think I, I mean what you said um, in in your in your comments. The whole idea of how quickly we move from the personal to the political, and I guess by virtue of the fact that Winky is connected to Mr. Crouch, um, and he is he there under as Fudge's guest? No. No, but you know, but he's, no, he's that's his job because he's in, he's in charge of magical cooperation, international cooperation, international cooperation. So he he immediately is thinking about his reputation. Um, that's why he kind of he kind oh, of they, they believe that's what he's doing uh, though. Yeah, he's very worried about his reputation. He gets rid of Winky on the spot, and even to the point that Percy is like, of course he had to do that. You know. He had to get rid of an elf like that. He can't have her um, embarrassing him in front of the whole ministry. So we're, you know, we quickly move from, you know, what this, this kind of quelling this kind of um, kind of over the top riot, so to speak, to I've got to maintain my reputation. But that's what we mm-hmm. that's what we are led to believe is happening here, right? But I mean, but there is something there is also something to that as well because I'm like if. If we're thinking in terms of what we know to the end, in terms of Winky personal, like, why would I even let Winky out of my sight? Winky can't go anywhere. Like, dismissing Winky is not a possibility. It's just right. not an option. Because Winky, because, Cause I Winky mean. Winky knows the secret. Winky don't know the, Winky just ain't know the secret. Winky is basically the secret. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, right. Winky is part of the whole thing. Like Winky, got, Winky is integral for the but, secret to be kept a secret. I mean, they're relying on that whole. So 
but again, it's about the image. So he had to let go of her because of the image. But I think there's also um, a hope and that turns out to be accurate of understanding that your house elf isn't going to speak. They're not going to. Even, right. Because even now, even now, after it's been, what, two years that Dobby's been a free elf, he still doesn't want to bad talk the Malfoys. He still right. wants to punish himself for doing that. So Winky was so loyal to this family that they're like, you know what? Your punishment is you're out, but you better not speak. And she didn't. And I yeah. think that they knew that that would happen, which is what allowed him to say, you got to go. He did that to save face. But I think he really knew she's not going to say anything. Because also, if she did tell, then that puts Barty Crouch Jr. at jeopardy. And she didn't. She wouldn't want that. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, you see about this whole elf business and how magical creature. We we got to that for like an end of the show discussion. But moving yeah. on, so we know that um this business yada yada yada. Harry goes back to school and the thing. Everyone's talking about it. You know, Draco is pumping his chest because you know the Death Eaters have not been seen since thirteen years in this formation. And this is, I mean, like who's running these people's PR? I'm well, like, but it's also crazy. clear that. This is a so like how we said in the beginning, this isn't a common conversation that would have been had in the Weasley's house. This is clearly a very common conversation that was had in the Malfoy house. Draco's not surprised by anything that they do. Nothing. Right. He's not he his his family, he's not surprised that the Triwizard Tournament is happening. Like they definitely treat him as an adult of the family and let him in on the happenings of what seems like everything. Well, I, I well he's an only child. That's one I think. I don't think it's any evidence to support he has any other sibling. Um but um I would say that I didn't I, I, I that's a I agree with that, but when I read that, I read that as being that um, because it was supposed to be a secret, right? For the for people who weren't supposed to know on a whole, right? I just thought that you know the Weasley family just made a choice to say, "Hey, we're intelligent children. We just wanted to be a surprise for them." Or uh, was it? Uh, is it the reading that it was supposed to be a, a secret from most people? I think it was supposed to be a secret from all, for all the students in general. It was supposed okay. to be okay. a surprise for everyone because the when the announcement is made when they get to school, everyone is surprised except for it seems like the slithering crowd, that little crowd right. right there. So you know, and they're supposed you know they're made out to be the dark wizards. So I, I think it was meant to be a surprise for everyone, but. Um, you know, Malfoy knew because his family told him. I think everything with the Malfoys is how do you, how do I leverage this for status and power? Mm -hmm. Piece of information. I'm going to make sure that I'm going to try to make sure that Draco has it. So he he can, he can lord it over everybody else. I know something you don't know. That whole thing. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. And I mean, his father particularly Buys in on it. He's so, right. Too. right. He's literally buying in in it, right? Because he's giving money to those hospital wings, yep. and I'm just like, why do y'all need money? Y'all got magic, like for the hospital. 
Like you literally have magic to fix this problem. Like, but I yeah, but they have their, you know, they have their own money, so they have to be able to, uh, you know, raise money and for research. <laughs> the RNA yeah. department of the hospital. <laughs> I'm just like, what? The Listen, magic community get a hospital bill? Is that what you're telling me? Of course they do. Oh my God! This is so absurd. This is so absurd. This yeah, is so. It would get a bill though. What was that? I can't imagine that they would get a bill. Let me see. I would send. I would send back they, twenty haulers. They the NHS. It's not going to get a bill. Oh, you know what? You're right. <laughs> They're not getting bills. But you I know what? I'm this is a draconian society. I am sure they're sending a bill with a hauler. You owe fourteen galleons, three sickles. <laughs> I mean, because we know and you need to pay it down. You know, they, they, pay, for their, to they pay for you. their drinks at the bar. They pay for, you know, their goods. I mean, they pay for everything else. So, of course, they they need I'm money not to magical run farming, things. But I'm interested in seeing that though, how how agriculture works, because they seem to be not. They don't. They don't really. Fred and George seem to interact with the children, the people. I got the impression that Fred and George have friends who are not witches and wizards. That they know people from the shop. There's some kind of shop that's close by that muggle people run. The, the joke shop that they are battering their shop on. Yes, yes. So they're yeah. aware of a shop. There's another shop in magical, in real life, that not real life, in muggle world, that they are aware of. Mm-hmm. They have friends somehow. And I, I don't know um, and I think the name that Harry takes in book seven is after a muggle kid in the some I'm I'm not sure of that. But anyway, let's not get bogged down in that. So they're on their way to school and Ron is realizing, oh, that he is poor and everybody gonna know he's poor, right? Because he has trashy dress robe. But um the thing that happens at the school that's most interesting is a couple of things. One there will be no Quidditch this year, thank God, because Quidditch was annoying me after a while. <gasps> uh, I love the Quidditch. I love, I love the Quidditch so much. Because I think for me, I think because Quidditch flying on a broomstick only seems to be reserved for Quidditch players. I'm just like, no, everybody should have flying, flying time. Them children only had one flying lesson class, and that's yeah, it. But, but we know that people use broomsticks. They actually talk about it. I'm saying at school, it seemed to be that no one's just flying randomly. Like, you know, just oh, like, like just to do it. Just something to do. Was but that? One of the things that the, that that lesson does is it really does show it was almost like a screening as to who had Matt, who had ability, who was in that in that uh, in that area and who didn't. Mm-hmm. Right. It was just like it, it, it was just a theater I found that, you know, that, that maybe even if you didn't get to see them going back to the class, they never mentioned the class. Right. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, like, we're just like, oh, I'm going to flying lessons. Because, I mean, like, you can tell every time Hermione gets in a broomstick, she's just like, oh, my God. Like, <laughs> it's like, it's like <laughs> even like- Ron, but, and Ryan, you get the impression that Ryan is on a broomstick because, you know, he has older brothers, you know what I mean? Like, it's right, he's been on a broomstick before. He's been yeah. on a broomstick before. It's what boys do all the time. But you know, it's well, they like Quidditch at home, though. Right, they, they, they play at home, and that's what I'm saying. That he has brothers, he has siblings to play with. I, I mean, just like, think it's, 
I, I agree with you. It's kind of for show, but I think it's um it's a sneaky way of finding out who's a good flyer, who's not, who are we, who do we want on our Quidditch team? Because you know that's a big part of being school at school is is who's going to win the Quidditch World Cup th- or not World, but House right. Cup I, I, so, I think presumably know. that happens because the younger kids who get on the Quidditch team. Because that's one of the things Harry does, right? That's one of the first things in book six, I think. When in he's the novel, yeah. He's like, get on a broomstick, let me see what's happening here. And I'm just like, boo, why are we doing this? They literally have a class there, no? <laughs> like, that does this, right? But then we find, oh, it's not true. Like, people literally can't really ride a broom properly. Um, but I just thought that was something that's um thing. But there's no Quidditch this year. Um, you're about to start it, Janine. You're about to say, well, Oh, well, just, you know, remember the first time she saw Harry fly, of course, he's, you know, kind of getting disciplined because he wasn't supposed to be flying, but McGonagall's like, you come with me, you know, I'm our next seeker, you know, so I think it's, it's just a huge part of being there and, um, you know, it's a status thing. Yeah. The school ran out of money. He's tired of losing the snake. Mm-hmm. Sick of it. <laughs> Uh, and she stole school money and bought him a Nimbus 2000 and everybody else. I'm sure they have funds allocated just for that. McGonagall would never break the rules. Cut it out. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> it's in the budget. So she's, like I'm saying, you know, it's always the one you don't suspect, okay? Nova <laughs> knows she is Albus's best bestie, okay? Albus ain't messing with nobody else at that school but Minerva and Severus. But anyway, so there will be a Quidditch, there will be a Triwizard Tournament. I had issues with this, but we're just going to let that go. We can Triwizard. I'm just like, only three places in Europe, but okay. Um, but I think as I was rereading this book, I thought of, I thought of, I don't know if you all agree with me, that I saw the Triwizard Tournament as this sort of way in which how Jake is sort of how I think stereotypically Europe is divided. There is England, there is Great Britain. There is Western Europe, and then there's Eastern Europe. Yeah. And Eastern Central Europe, I think, and people have different um, impression and general... Um, sorry, what's that, Deb? And personalities. Uh, and personality. Oh, it's very stereotypical, for sure. Oh, it is. It's regional um, thing. And, and it was very much. <laughs> <laughs> I remember, and, remember when, when Goblet of Fire first came out, I'll never forget the... Um, one of the reviews said referred to um, the guys from Durmstrang as almost um, Hitler youth, right. you know, of the way they're thought, the way they're described, uh-huh. and the persona of of them. And I'm just like, girl, this is like I don't know. And and Draco tells us right, you know, apparently at Durmstrang they take a very different line. They don't teach defense dark. against the dark arts. They teach dark arts. Yeah. And I'm just like, right. For me, it's just like, mm, I think you kind of have to know both, though. I mean, no. I mean, I don't know where you're trying to defend if you don't know what you're trying to defend. You know what I mean? Like, how are you able to defend something you do not know what it is that's coming to you? Well, this is why you're a Slytherin, because you want all the dark stuff. I think I'm going to be Ravenclaw. Yeah, I am messing with these racist little um. Nuggets, <laughs> little. Everybody, look, aren't we in the both sides now? So, I mean, I, it, everybody shows some, some nice people on, on both sides or some... For their safety and minds. I'm just <laughs> going to easy on over to Ravenclaw, okay? Because apparently those children know 
Hermione be meeting them in the library. Because, you know, it's funny because she did, Ron is like, who are those people? Hermione just like, don't you know? It's like, just like, and you know what's also interesting? Ravenclaw is the only student, set of student they don't have a class with until they're in the sixth year. They have classes with everybody else. And I thought that, you know, the head of house would have host students because that's how it happened. I don't know if you, that's how it usually happens in um, in this system. Like if you have a head of house or uh, like a, not just a head of house, but a, like a head of house system, like, that the head of house would be dealing with you. She would, she would mix classes for other people, but for her class, for her group, she would meet these group only because McGonagall has transfiguration with the Gryffindors only, right? Mm -hmm. But for Herbology, um, what's her name? Professor Sprout. Professor Sprout. That is so Dickens. Only Dickens keep giving people names that, you know, like related (laughs) to that. It's just so annoying. That was was deliberate. I mean, I think that was the Dickens influence, you know. But doesn't Snape have potions with the Gryffindors and the Slytherins? Yes. Right, but he doesn't have potions with the Slytherins only. Right, right. He has it with them, but the only class they never had, the only people they don't have classes with is Ravenclaw until they're in the sixth year when classes are small and it doesn't matter anymore. Houses, they're having separate class by houses doesn't matter. It, it, it's eliminated. Right, because you're basically... The, you've picked out what you're going right, to... Right, because that's pursue. typically how it goes. And no one says... No, nobody disappears. Because usually when most people don't get enough subjects are passed to go on to the sixth year, our okay. advanced levels. And because it's such a concentrated effort, so like taking one class is usually the, it's like the effort of like four subjects. Right. Um, you have less people in the class just, just on generally, you do. And as you see... In order to take certain classes, it's the same. It's the same system. You have to have prerequisite. You have to have passed certain subject in order to take certain subjects. Like um, right. you can't take potions unless you had passed defense against the dark arts, that kind of business. But it's it, it always struck me like hmm, Ravenclaw keeps having attention by themselves, and we know that the students that they have the class anyway. That it isn't like Minerva um, McGonagall isn't teaching Slytherin Transfiguration, etc. But it's just they're at a different, they have a different schedule. Schedules right. are done by houses. But um, yeah, so we have um, Dunstram, we have Hogwarts versus Bobaton. And um, I wanted to point out that, you know, just how, how this place is so there's one magical school, there's one hospital, there's one government office, <laughs> one newspaper. And I'm just like, what the fuck is this? Like, what kind but of role is this? We have a newspaper. That's one of those things is that is when you're talking about and it's still in the category of children's books is you you're not going to um, muddy the water with a lot of very different um, institutions. You want the focus to be on these these institutions that impact our major character and our and our side characters. So you're going to restrict how many of these things are in the world. Yeah, you could just mention it, but I think that's part of the, the fact of the you know, following the trope of a children's book that you keep, um, you, you restrict how many of these things people have to keep straight when they're reading, when we, they're reading the narrative. We do find out later that 
there's a little bit more stuff. You know, we do find out just for and I guess it, it makes sense because as we move through the series, the wizarding world gets larger as they start to move yeah. throughout yeah. It more, you know, and yeah. we find out. Um, I guess, I guess what Luna Lovegood's dad's publication, that's, it's not a newspaper, it's a magazine, right? Right. But still, it lets us know that there's another source of news for the wizarding world, but you know, doing news, but okay. Well, exactly. Like it's the tabloid or, you know, whatever, but in a lot of ways, it seems like so is the daily prophet. Um, so yeah, I mean that. It makes I I never questioned it the way that Reels has that there's only one of stuff. I just figured there was only one thing central to this area. Um, I did. I I remember when I first got involved with it that um, thinking that there's got to be another newspaper. That part I did consider, but it, it never bothered me that there's one wizarding school in this area in one hospital. It 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 I'm never pulled up apparently. <laughs> Listen. Listen. But but no, because when Rita Skeeter is kidnapped, let's say, you know, she's kidnapped. Um paper goes on. Paper goes on. But I thought what was what was hilarious to me is that we know there is another publication, right? There's equivalent the magazine, which you would meet in book four, book five. And seven, but it's just like to me, I get the impression that um, what's his first name? Zenothelius, I think his name is. Zenothelius Lovegood. He's just like reading the Daily Prophet and being like, whatever you say, I'm gonna say the opposite. That's what I'm gonna do. I am just going to say the opposite and to oh, fill in the spaces. <laughs> when when I don't when, when I'm not interested in your story, I'm gonna make up something else. Okay, I'm just gonna create. This is <laughs> and you know I always get the impression that the quibbler is like one of those people who went to get an MFA, a, a master's in fine um it's fine <laughs> a master's in, in creative writing, and none of this stuff work, and they'll be like they got mine. Just like I'm gonna show you. You don't want to publish my work. I'm going to publish my creative work in my own magazine. And in order to get people, he decided to start up a national inquirer. So he keeps slipping in his his little rejected works in there while he's publishing the most <coughs> sensationalized version of everything. But, but you know, I wonder if there is some influence because, you know, readers, the, the, prophet, the Daily Prophet has been starting to be more sensational. Mm-hmm. And starts to get more sensational from the time of Sirius's um, in the in the third book well, until until when uh, their coverage of what happened at the at the Quidditch World Cup. They go for the most sensationalist, the most dramatic um, right. aspect of the story. Well, I got the impression it's always been that way because I think um when Dumbledore meets Rita, right? He's just like, girl, you said that shit about me the other time, girl. Don't think I don't. <laughs> I don't know what's happening. And she was just like, well, you know, you just kind of stuck in your old ways. And I'm just like, girl, have you seen the magical world? Because honestly, Dumbledore, as much as he's as old as dirt, Dumbledore seems to be the only one on the right track out there. Yeah. Because the rest of 
you out here seem to be y'all can't even the only thing I see y'all can do effectively is like turn a, a napkin into a teacup and that ain't gonna help you for anything. <laughs> well that's early, you know, it's just like you're just learning. <laughs> I mean I was like really cute. Is this like what turn a turtle, what's it, a porcupine into a teapot? That's what it was, right? And I'm just like, okay. All right, Magana go. But we could do it because there are some transfiguration issues about, you know, we can't tell us. Anyway, so we find out, uh, you know, the, the competition is happening and we find out they have a new defense against the dark arts teacher, Marai yeah. Moody, who we we met in, who was mentioned in passing because Arthur had to go and save him from trouble. There's some, right. He had issues. And I don't want to give it too much away, but I've never liked Marai Moody. The real one, the fake one. I just think you passed your prime. I don't want to well, put you out yeah. to pastures, but... I, I, but I think Mad-Eye Moody is a very interesting character. Tell um, me that. that. Convince in, me. In the, well, I don't know about convincing you, but I think he's <laughs> very interesting because he, mm-hmm. he, is, he is like um, a veteran of all of these wars and of all of this fight. And he's lost a limb and he's lost an eye. Um, and it's really affected his brain, his mind. Um, you know, that's why Arthur has to go because they're, they're, you know, he, they're convinced that because he's jinxing everything, because he thinks there's somebody in his trash bins or something. So that he has a clear case of PTSD. Does, he does. And, you know, Mad-Eye was great. The Wizarding World loved Mad-Eye when Mad-Eye was collecting dark was was getting dark wizards and he was um you know getting them and and finding them and apprehending them and putting them in jail and so everybody loved him he was a hero but then as he began when that was that work died down for him and there's really nothing really for mad eye to do you think somebody would put mad eye on what you said reels let's plan let's have some proactive plans in case Voldemort comes back nobody thought about I'm doing planning that. some crops or something right like exactly <laughs> But, but instead, they've just allowed Mad-Eye you know, in his retirement to get even more and more deep into his paranoia. So, of course, who should Dumbledore go and ask to teach defense against the dark <laughs> It's so jacked up. <laughs> and a mess. Well, you know? at this point, it's like, who else wants the job, right? Because we can't even trust when people are enthusiastic. I mean, and granted, he had a werewolf last year, so I mean... Why not bring, you know, an unstable PTSD soldier? But, you know, Deb, you actually have convinced me because I think you and Janina are hitting upon something I thought was really interesting and something that is akin to the real world, right? The soldier mentality, particularly in America, how we favor the soldier and the fortune to the brave, you know, like mercenary, et cetera, et cetera. But once the war is over, they don't care anything about you. We've seen the Korean War, the vet the Vietnamese, that they don't have any real exactly. program for veterans. They might give you, you know, a leg up in a job position, but they don't have anything to do with it again. The magical world does not know to what to do with people with mental issues. No. Have no. Zero. There has never been, I have not seen a single person put forward a, any kind of like, not even therapy. Like I said, it's either chocolate or some sleeping potion. That's it. <laughs> that is it. Either you get diabetes, I'll take a nap. That's it, boo. Like a lollipop. I'll just, just chill. Just chill. 
There's nothing. Because there's just nothing. Because I mean, like, because I think at one point Moody does say, "There's things that I have seen I can't even tell you." Right. And I mean, granted, there also because one of the things that struck me was that I'm just like, "Why does Moody look like this?" I mean, like, surely you're you're not badass like Dumbledore, and Dumbledore is looking all right. You know what I mean? He's still whole. <laughs> but you know, like, but I mean, like, it, it's just the level and. It's one of those things that I, 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 you know, you know, I watch a lot of forensic files and whatever the case may be. Sometimes I think people don't grasp the the the, the extent of evil and evilness. People just in the imagine world, just, yeah, in the yeah. world, people just imagining just it's very like someone stole something and just that someone just randomly stabs someone and whatever the case may be. There are people in this world, you know, they think of crime of passions kind of thing. You know, where you know there is this, I think, in psychology where Everyone is capable of murder, but not everyone will commit murder, right? That, you know, that we can all be driven to a, a circumstance in terms of crime or passion. We see this sort of a thing, but there are people out there who are doing really maniacal, evil, vicious, you know, premeditated things to people. And I mm-hmm. think Moody has unfortunately seen many of these things and he's left to his own devices. So, I mean, like every little thing out here is seen but and what i get upset with you know i i think what has always bothered me about moody not to say is that the the expectation that is placed upon moody even though this man is suffering right that moody is the baddest out here no he's not he's not he gets his ass kicked every single time every time and the other thing moody shouldn't be out here Moody shouldn't be out here doing a young man, a old man as this man in not necessarily age has anything to do with it, but a man in this, this condition state, condition should not be out here doing a young man war. Should not be fighting a young people's war. But unfortunately, most of the young people are just ignoring the thing that so so I think for me that what always upset me is the expectation and burden placed upon Moody. When Moody is not in any sort of like mental space to help anyone, that he's that he, I, I think in many ways he is other, he has accepted his, he's just waiting for death. In many ways, in my mind, I always see this. You know, like when I, oh, I never thought that. I think that Moody probably still sees himself as a badass. Honestly, right. I don't think he has any idea that he's not as good as he used to be. Um, the problem with him is that he's paranoid. Right, but he doesn't think he's paranoid. He right. There really is something out there. Yes. And there is, but um, he's just not, you know, he really believes it. He feels it. And I think he really feels that the rest of the wizarding world is um, not really paying attention. Mm-hmm. And he really is going to keep that banner high about you know what you're supposed to do remember what he constant him? vigilance <laughs> and he doesn't intend to stop no matter that he's supposed to be retired from being an oral yeah which is exactly why when he gets sent to his house because they're flying dustbins because he thinks that someone cursed is trying to curse him nobody questions that Everyone thinks, oh, Mad Eye Moody, he's at it again. Nobody questions this because even though this isn't his job per se anymore, like Deb just said, he's constantly still out there trying to do the work. So everybody just kind of accepts it. 
you but know, the, before we gotta before, we gotta give a nod to Arthur's compassion, um, right? And Arthur is Arthur is a man who who really does he's really one of the good guys. I mean, he really he, now of course he's he's also protecting the place he works because he knows if this gets in the press, they're all gonna be vilified. But he also, you know, he wants to go and and keep Moody from getting, going deeper off, going into the deep end. Or perhaps end up in Azkaban. But don't you think also a piece of Arthur going to um, help in not wanting this to get out also is because he knows that he's due at Hogwarts. He would know that. Yeah, he probably yeah, does. Th- th- there is that, but I, I always got the impression, like Deb said, not only just authors, uh, there is authors' compassion. I mean, would see this sort of thing that whenever a wizard is being problematic, right, there's only mm-hmm. two places for them to go, either Azkaban or St. Mungo's, right? right? <laughs> and everyone seems to <laughs> no, want to Moody avoid this mess. either one of those <laughs> Neither one. <laughs> what did you say, Deb? He's not going to make it in either one of those oh, places. Oh, no, he will not. I don't think anyone is making it in any of those places that we will learn. No one's making it in any of those places. But, you know, um, and we would see this in book seven, right, where this issue comes up again for some for characters, where they, it's, it is much preferable to attempt to manage the situation on your own Though that might be dangerous or consequential for your own health and safety, in the in free, then trying to let them lock them up in this space, in thing. But unfortunately, it all comes to the same end in the in the end. But um, so Moody is taking a completely different line in education. Yeah. Um, Moody decided, you know what, you kids, um, I, I see what y'all been doing, been 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 doing. And I decided, you know what, we got to kick it up a notch, okay? <laughs> that, you know, Dumbledore said to me, well, Dumbledore had said, was that, y'all, I mean, the, uh, the Moody, Dumbledore ain't got to say nothing. We were, in any of the, we were in both of these. We were in the classes for the last three years. I mean, somebody, I mean, technically they only have one year of education, just one. <laughs> From Lupin. <laughs> <laughs> they actually learned something. Right, um, right. It, Lupin has scheduled, and, and Lupin was even even so diligent to send Moody a letter to say, this is what we have done. Moody, you know, sent, you know, letters for seven years, for the seven classes. He, uh, he well, goddamn, they're teaching more than seven classes a week, right? Because if you're only teaching, like, one class, like, one year, like, one house at a time, that's, oh, my God. Hogwarts better be paying some real good money because that's a lot of classes a week. <laughs> you have to teach seven years and perhaps multiple classes per year. That's a lot. But it seems they only have class once a week, though. So, I mean, that's cool. I guess that's how that works. But anyway, um, Moody decided to give what, we are, what is known as the unforgivable curses. The curses, if you were to use this on anyone... It would result in you being sent to Azkaban, and I'm just like one. How we all gonna know? Um, two. Why is this a thing? Um, three. Why isn't there the counter charms being for anyone? Um, and four. Just like this is really simple though. 
everybody gets an everyone has a, a weapon in their hand to do this to everyone. And that is the thing that I find is interesting about the school. That's one is that everyone has a weapon of mass destruction in his or her hand, right? Everyone. And there is no real effort or there's no class that seems to be discussing ethics. But, you know, that now that's true. Now I've just ran across the, the, the passage where he says, Avracadavra's curse is a curse that needs a powerful bit of magic behind it. You could all get your wands out now and point them at me and say the mm-hmm. word. And I doubt I'd get so much as a nosebleed. Yeah, you have to mean it. And we learn that, we hear that again later. Bellatrix says it. You know, you have to mean it. Have you you met children? Have you met children? They are mean, they're evil. But even, no, this is actually something that comes up over and over and over again throughout the series. So Harry can't learn um, occlumency or yeah, that's what he's learning. Occlumency, if if he can't focus. So if you can't, and even in this book, when he needs the osseo charm, you right. have to have that focus and you have to be able to harness that energy. You can't just say, you can't just say it. You know, it's Leviosa, not Leviosa or whatever she says, you know, right. way back in the beginning. There's, there's always something behind it. And these unforgivable curses, you know, you have to truly mean it. So if you don't, yes, children are little assholes and they're evil, but do they in their heart of hearts want to kill somebody? Yes, no, they no, they don't. No, they don't. Janina, Janina, but here is my issue with this, right? Even if we, even if children are not at this point capable of this, we, because it is, it is ethics. It is, it is a intangible thing that makes right. wizard X different from wizard Y. Right? Sure. They literally all because we don't need to do gun safety in our real school because we all don't have access to a gun. Presumably, if one of us want to go have a gun, we have to go get certain. I know in different countries you have to be uh, take firing lessons, go to gun safety check, and I know in the Caribbean in particular, you literally have to have a safe. You will not allow. You will not be allowed to have a gun in your home unless you have a safe. It can't be in a cabinet where we could just break the glass, tinkle mm-hmm. in and get it, and get it out. So the, we have, when we talking about weapons and whatever case, I mean, there is some measure, not necessarily in all places, of this thing. But it is to that, I mean, and it comes up in the very first book, right? Because McGonagall said to, to Dumbledore that you are capable of the same magic that Voldemort is. It's that you're very noble in book two. Dobby says the same thing. There are things that, you know, that Dumbledore will never do, right? And ethics is not a part of the conversation. And I we think would it, it is in some respect. No, no, it's not. Because, in fact, when ethics comes up in this book, in, and it's a very odd place, not in this book, in this series, in a very odd thing, and I thought it was very odd, it comes up in book seven with the Muggle Studies teacher. That she writes not an imp- she doesn't do this in school. She writes a letter to the wizarding community. And the children, and I think in the part I watch, they they do address ethics at this point. In saying how you treat a fellow human, a fellow wizard who might not be of magical blood. And she talks about that politics and that ethical situation here. But ethics doesn't come up here. 
So, I mean, I get what he's... Because, again, we are... I, I think we are putting a lot in... We are leaving a lot to chance to speak of the fact of what one's intention is. That if one is... If one really has the intention or capable of this, because we would see a couple of years from now, a year from now, the children are capable of doing dangerous well, and crazy things. And just, in, in fact, we, we notice even if at various ages, because it comes up about the death eaters in school while they were in school, what they were doing to other children. And we know that literally one of them commit murder at a later point. Voldemort committed murder. So I guess what I, I I get what you're saying. I I don't disagree, but I I feel like there's the whole point of the defense against the dark arts is that there's dark magic that you shouldn't be using because it's so harmful. And that in itself is a discussion of ethics. I guess that's what I've always taken it to be. I've I've only I've only counted it. I've only seen well one. We never really had a proper class. And um, Lupin seemed to be focused mostly on dark creatures, um, quote unquote dark or problematic creatures. Um, and the actual defense against the dark arts in terms of the Dementors, um, Expecto Patronus situation and the Bogarts, he does teach Bogarts in class, but the Expecto Patronus happens outside of the classroom, right? Mm-hmm. That that's supposed yeah. to be happens, you know, thing. And Again, one of my issues about a lot of the defensive managed issues right now, they don't learn in a classroom. Right. What I'm saying is I I just assume that this this idea of a defense against the dark arts class Mm -hmm. was something about the fact that this is what evil wizards do and you don't do that. It, they literally have a, a whole house full of evil wizards, presumably. Well, I, like I, I know, and I know. But, this. but, I mean, but you know, one of the things that you're hitting upon, Reels, is something that I've thought about, too. And I think it's, you know, it's kind of not really resolved, but it's, it is, the question is raised. Because you have Harry, who has grown up in an abusive situation, and he turns out to be capable even though he's not capable of totally sharing his feelings and, and planning ahead, he's still a reactor. He is capable of forming relationships with Ron and Hermione. And, you know, and he's not a psychopath. When we Later on, when we see Voldemort, he's been in, in an abusive situation, and we know where that leads him. We see Snape, who has grown up in some, some degree of childhood deprivation, and we see that while he's capable of going to work every day and interacting with people, he's not a very nice man. So we just see three different cases of people who were not raised in loving and ethical um, situations and how they turn out very differently. Because because you're right. Because And then this is what I particularly, because this is the book, right? Because this is what I'm talking about, personal versus politics, the political. Mm-hmm. Because we would see later on that it is because the magical world at all times, it's asking very fundamental questions as to who they are, right? How do you operate within this world? Not just the magical world, but the world, the earth at large, right? You stay in secrecy. How do you, you cannot show magic outside how you help another person. 
how you approach things. And every single year, there is a threat, right? And and the, the difference between, because this comes up between Harry and Voldemort, right? Harry is making a choice every yeah. single time. There is right. a choice to be made, a very yeah. clear choice. But Harry is, Harry, beyond anybody else, has Voldemort powers in a matter of, manner of speaking, right? And everything he presumably so far, he's able to do something. And supposedly we would know the power that the Dark Lord knows not, right? But he is constantly being, the questions are constantly being asked about him. And and, and in fact, let's, we don't even have to get into the existential. Malfoy presents Harry with a choice. Mm-hmm. You need to be cool with us. There is a set of Very people big. in the wizarding world that you ain't supposed to be cool with. And there's a set of people. Harry's first introduction to the magical world, right? When he goes to um, Diagon Alley, Malfoy right. presents him with a choice. Hang with me, boo, or hang with, or hang with fools, right? <laughs> Malfoy says that very now, Remember now, he's already, even though he, he's, he's very new to this, the person who has rescued him, Hagrid, Mm-hmm. has already told him about where dark wizards come from. Right. That, and, know, um, that, and he is, so he, all he knows is he doesn't want to be identified with that because this, 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 these people or someone who came from that group took, took my parents away. Mm-hmm. So well, he has a choice, but he also knows who he doesn't want to identify with. Right. He, he, he gets a thought because, Malfoy does something also interesting before he even talks. I don't remember the sequence, but Malfoy makes fun of Hagrid. And Harry right. then makes a choice. Because typically, children in that situation being like, oh, yeah, if I want to be cool, maybe I should make fun of friends. And Harry is basically, uh-uh, I am quite capable of making my own friends in this situation. So right. I think this is this is what I, you know, magical words and ethics, we need to... Um, we need to bear that in mind because we would see it is a it is it is an ethical question that is coming up constantly, particularly yeah. from this book on. It is a, it is a matter of like which side you choose, what you're choosing to do, the choices that you make. It, it's all based on who you are as a particular wizard, or the philosophy, or the politics in this world that you're choosing to follow. Janina has kindly reminded us that we are on a schedule, but I think. Um, not to believe at a point. I think we can wrap it up in like 15 minutes. I am very sure of that. So we like Madai Moody or whatever he stands for. Um, what did you think of the forgivable, unforgivable curses? Um, because that whole sequence for me, interesting, was not a very interesting. Um, one, I have to say, I liked how he actually presented it, just like using spiders. And it was a very neat and very tidy class. I'm just like, hmm, you can teach. Right. I, I think so. And I think he had a clear understanding of what would get their attention. Mm-hmm. And he also had a way of describing um, what they could do and why they would not be used. Um, so but he also says to them, you know, Dumble. he says Dumbledore has a higher opinion of your nerves. He reckons you can cope. And I say the sooner you know what you're up against, the better. How are you supposed to defend yourself against something you've never seen? So he really, even the y'all, 
they say Mad Eye crazy, Mad Eye's got PTSD, but Mad Eye really has a clear understanding. And maybe because we know when it, when we start talking about uh, dark arts and dark wizards, I'm in my world. So everything else. Literally goes, and figuratively. <laughs> right. I'm in my world and I know how to talk this stuff. And he does give them a clear understanding of what they are. But, I, you know, there's an interesting thing that happens here where um, Hermione, being the sad girl that she is, she clearly recognizes that um, Neville is being affected by this situation. Yes. And to, I don't know if at this point, if Harry is aware of, is Harry aware at this point? No, 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 no. He follows, he sees Hermione looking at Neville, and he so he looks to see what she's looking at. And that's how he realizes that that but but Hermione is the one who really has has you know really raised an objection to it because of what oh, it's doing to Neville. Right. Oh, I do know. I do remember who Harry found out about why Neville is so affected by this situation. But the thing that struck me just like no one asked Neville, Neville, what's going on? Does Harry not know at this moment? No, he what doesn't know. He doesn't know. He doesn't know. He doesn't know. And this is and this is this this is one of the things I would you know I love Harry to be a reactor you know like when this tough gets going Harry gets when the when the when the situation my my mind is at a is at a mumble to remember what is that whole thing but when when shit, when the shit hits the fan. Harry is there with an umbrella, right? Harry is there so <laughs> in that situation. But in moments like this, it's when Harry is like totally like, I don't know how to process human feelings and human interaction and get into close to people beyond these two people. All right? Um, mm -hmm. That's it. Um, I don't know if we want to, before, as in an effort to sort of wrap up, this section just so we keep on with our Wait, I uh, want to talk about can we talk about Moody a little bit more in the in the ahead. class because I so when you read this book for the first time you think that Moody is a badass right and you think that he is amazing and yeah you know let's teach the kids and I did not lose the plot, you know, where he says Dumbledore's, you know, basically he's endorsing him doing this. Um, but it takes on a whole different meaning when we find out who this Moody is. <laughs> I, I, I thought it wanted to. I, I thought it was best. I don't know what we should address this. I don't know if we should talk about that now or what. But I think we need. I, I think we need to. That that's a very important question for us to hold in our mind. Yeah, for when so. we get to the end, because this I right think now we're only knowing the Moody that is being yeah. presented. Being yeah. presented, but uh, I mean, talk about plot twists, you know. Right. Um, <laughs> well, this is one of those. Before we before we move too far off of that, remember this is also when Harry gets an answer back from Sirius from oh, the letter sent yes. about his scar. Right. And um, this reminded me of something that you said, um, Janina, and that when Harry thinks about the possibility of Sirius rising to his rescue, he is worried once again somebody's going to die for me. Yeah. Or somebody he could get captured. 
that yep. he's going to put somebody in harm's way. Just like you said earlier, that he does have that sense of, I don't want anybody else to be hurt because of me. Yeah, he definitely has that awareness, and we see that for sure right here. He's willing to try to lie to Sirius, even right. to say, oh, you know what, that's no big deal. It don't worry about it. I was just dreaming, you know, kind of to prevent him from possibly, um, you know, landing back in Azkaban. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I don't want us to um, – so we sort of miss – I just want to spend this to – just see with, you know, like the major plot points in this. Sometimes I'm just like, we are so such nerds that we find things to talk about. I'm just like, we're not going to spend time on that. And we miss the whole coup de gras off the book, right? The goblet of fire. We have not even mentioned the goblet well, of fire. Well, we haven't gotten there yet. That's all right. Uh, Listen. So okay. the, school, the school is happening, you know, they bring the children to the school. I have to say, I mean, there's certain moments in this book. This is one of the reasons why I think at some point, sometimes it's one of my favorite books. Is this something that are just like, wow, I wanted to see that. Like, I wanted to see when the students came to school from Bogota. Yeah. And yeah. I'm just like, but you know, I was there. It's just like, wait a minute. Y'all mad at a flying car, but y'all at a flying horses and a, and a wagon roll up in here. <laughs> and nobody said anything. Like, to be corrected, so that's okay. And okay, it's a magical house apparently. I thought it was really, really cool. It's very archaic, but it's really cool. But what is fascinating to me even more is how Dungstrom's ship is traveling. I want to be like, how does this magic work? Like, how is first of all, y'all up in a place where I know there is no sea because <laughs> y'all in the mountains? Like, that's not how. And I literally, and let me just say, well, I literally study geography of the world, and I kind of know how these things work. Like, mm. but but in order to get to Hogwarts, though, they are going to have to come across the sea. But they show up in a lake, though, and I'm just like, <laughs> I'm just like, I mean, it's magic, but you know, maybe you you could knock me about and tell me to like real. You don't know how magic works. This is magic, so anything is possible. That's well, right. Okay. I'm this going to accept that. This but, is what you've been asking for. But I still need some questions answered. I mean, but just take the whole, because presumably, is is it working like a submarine? Is that yeah. what it is? So they have See, to be below yeah. deck? And I wonder, yeah. can are they seeing Claire through the thing? Because I kept thinking, oh my God, this is almost like twenty thousand leagues under the sea, right? This is like so. Yep. Like, this is so. In fact, I was so fascinated. I'm so fascinated by the ship that when I read the illustrated uh, book, the new one that just came up, I was just like, how dare they not bring to a picture of this ship? The they, did, they did the they did they, the Bobaton, um flying carriage flying thing but i thought they would have had to show but then i was just like hmm are you gonna show the shape like halfway coming out but actually they dealt with that you know there's a scene when um victor jumps off of the um goes into the lake he jumps Uh into the lake anyway they showed the full ship i'm just like oh this is so amazing it looks like you know like a pirate ship you know like it's almost like pirates of the caribbean type of ship and i was like 
somebody needs to tell me. I need information about this. This is one of the things that is like I am really fascinated about that I would go look up. I would go look up information on. Most of the other stuff people question, I'm just like, hmm, I know how this works. I know it ain't a thing. And oftentimes people explanation online, it's horrible. I'm just like, have you read the book? So I, I don't trust. You know, I'm like, come on, I'm going to do my own research. But I'm really fascinated about the ship thing. I that Those things were just like, I remember reading it for the first time, just like, oh my God, this is really, 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 really cool. Like, I am loving this thing. Mm-hmm. So, just just geeking out on that bit in a moment. So, um, we had the Goblet of Fire. It's an action at Goblet, set on fire. You put your name in, three people, it's going to come out. Three person's name are it's going to come out, but um, it finds out that a fourth name comes up in Harry, and Ron loses his shit, the magical world loses his shit, but, you know, I was most so, I remember reading this for the first time, I was just like, finally, Ron, like, I know you've, I, I know you've been waiting to blow up on Harry over this shit for the ages, <laughs> but Harry ain't the one, Harry is not the one for this let me just say, that whole fight between Ron and Harry and, you know, how Hermione is put in the middle of that whole mess, I'm going to leave Hermione's disrespect, the disrespect, the, disres- the continual disrespect of Hermione to the side. Because I'm not necessarily a champion of white girl feminism, but they treat that girl like shit. But <laughs> Harry and Ron a little beef, let me tell you something. And I must say that that was so true because Listen to me, Harry is a Leo. That is so me. I'm just like, oh, I am apologizing for shit I did not do. Like, <laughs> like you got a problem, little bull. That's that sounds personal to me. Okay, like this is all on you. And poor Hermione has to be the referee between this mess. It's like, but I think that that was so um, apparently, you know, on target with the age that they are. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. That, that we that we would start to see there was, you know, Ron was going bound to lose that starry eyed, oh, I'm best friends with Harry Potter. That was definitely going to go away. And so, I mean, if they were going to have a healthy relationship. So I don't think he even had that because Harry shared everything with Ron. Yeah, but he still had, he still had a little bit of that. He still had a little bit of that. And that's how they, that's the horse he rode in on. That's how they met. But Mm -hmm. he still had a little bit of, you know, my buddy Harry Potter, and he got a little bit of that. He could, he, he was always looking for his own identity being in that family, and he got a little bit of that from being, he transferred a little bit of that to Harry, so that he wasn't under his brother's shadow. And Ron is getting in trouble all the time, right? Like, he is, right. like, he's getting right. the adventures. But he, but here he's, here he's, he kind of transferred some of that to Harry. And now it was only natural that if they're going to grow into and have and have a healthy relationship between two men, he was going to have to lose some of that. And so the the mechanism for losing that is the realization of a he's how poor he is versus Harry, and b why does the opportunities to even get some money he doesn't even need it, and I do. And so it was bound to be something that was going to make them clash a little bit so that they could move past that. Uh, you know, the, the funny thing about this whole situation that you say that, it's just like, I'm going to be shitty for saying it. It's just like, 
Ron really thinks he's Harry's equal. And all things aside, I think Harry's better at school than Ron. And that's really saying yeah. something because I think Harry's shit. <laughs> I really think Harry's better at school than Ron. He is I better mean, at school. He does study more than Ron does. I mean, because literally, Ron's degrees are, are Hermione's degrees, right? Like, whatever Ron, yeah. like, Hermione saved whole girl. I feel bad for Hermione. Um, she basically put Ron through school, okay? She did. Let me just, like, put that out there. But, I she mean, did. I was just like, Ron, boo. You know, I mean, it, I couldn't have been Harry because I've been like, boo, even if you get in the Triwizarding Cup tournament, what were you what going you to do? What you gonna do? <laughs> we ain't playing chess all day long. Like, we we, we got to back up for one second, though. This this is a piece of the whole um, being selected for the cup that is it's it, there's a big hole here. We've got Harry's name that comes out of the pot. And, you know, in the beginning, Dumbledore explains to say it, but I'm glad you saw that. I didn't want to be the one. Dumbledore explains, you know, that this is how it works. Mm-hmm. And when your name comes out, it's a magical binding contract. And then Harry's name comes out and everyone's like, he has to do it. It's a magical binding contract. But nobody explains to us what happens if you break that magical bonding contract. You have all of these adults, these powerful wizards that are just going to go with a child's name coming out of a cup mm. and and we know you know if if you've caught on by now all of the foreshadowing that happens in this book we know that this tournament stopping held because people were dying so of mm. course someone's going to ago. die someone's definitely going to die because they brought that up right well, no, you may I, not I, have... I, I don't think i don't think i think i don't think people were dying every single time at least that's how i read well, it I the death not. count was too high whenever they had this like really no one should die period but they stopped having it because there were just too many deaths so for me the re- the that even being mentioned meant that somebody's going to die in this tournament. So Harry's name comes out of the Goblet of Fire, and lo and behold, all the adults go, well, it's a magical binding contract. He has to do it. Come on now. Come well, on. See, you see, I, I think you're missing At a least... couple key points here, and, I, and I'm hopefully <laughs> Deb is going to set both <laughs> you and I straight, right? Because one, first of all, Y'all had to hoodwink the cup in the first place in order to only allow 16-year-old or older to be in the cup. Or yeah. 17-year-old older, right? And it had right. to, the, the, the age line was only a secondary precaution. Right. right? And then right. Two, four, two second, like, which school is this? What do you name of the school that Harry supposedly was putting, <laughs> was putting on her? What's this school? Because right when they when they announce everybody else's name, it says the Durmstrang champion is the Ball Baton champion is Hogwarts. So like, exactly. and then because Harry Potter. The cup isn't the cup isn't the cup isn't sorry no three random names. I mean like, oops, we gotta try over again because that's another Hogwarts student, right? Oh, that's another Ball Baton student. We already yeah. got that, right? Dad, can you it's, please fix this for us? But my other thing, my thing is just like, they're like, did you convince another student to put your name in? It was that simple. All I had to do was ask, <laughs> was, was ask Angelina to put my name in there. Is this what, 
Like she could. You know what? I didn't even catch that. Uh, that didn't got, even like, bother me at all. Yeah, you do. Like, like, all these are somebody else could have put. What do you mean the cup went out? The cup was out for over a hundred years. You can light it back again. <laughs> like I don't understand what you mean. Like the cup went out. We gotta wait to the next tournament. Somebody cup is like, look, I get this is for theater and theatrics and whatever. And I mean, like, what do you mean Harry has to compete? I just wanted a little tiny bit of explanation. Just a little bit. Like, if we don't follow this magical binding contract, then A, B, C, or D is going to happen. And it's all going to be catastrophic. It ain't no magical contract because Harry didn't sign shit. Harry didn't sign a plume. Doesn't matter. His name came out of that gobble of fire. Deb, please. The other thing that I thought was odd was that Harry, like literally in any of the any of the tasks, right? You didn't have to do anything. You could have just be like, I'm not going outside to face dragons. I'm just not. Well, he was I, never gonna do that. I mean, he I'm not saying that, that he was going, but I'm just simply saying that that was always a choice. There wasn't like some compelling force to be like, you gotta go outside, right? Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Magical, like you know, like you always had a choice. I always remember, um, it's it's a, like, oh my god, the Olympics. Um, the American ice dancers, they said after they had they've been first place for the shot dance, it was time for the free dance and all of the weight of expectation. They hadn't lost a competition in two years. They were just like, you know, we could just go home. We can just walk right out and just sleep. You know, yeah. but when it was like like you could just yeah. do that. Like that's an option, you know. And I mean like, but you know, in this place, it's just like a magical, like he had to compete. Because my thing is just like he is 14. And right. nobody was just like and the first task was a fucking dragon. And I was just, like, just let well, the kids go ahead. I agree. Shit, I, no, no, I, I agree with you. I mean, we just had to suspend belief right here. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Dumbledore if alone should have said, oh, no, 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 no. Not, not him. If this were Ron, maybe. But not Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah, I'm not putting this boy in his face. But, you know. How dare you. <laughs> I mean, in terms of how we know, we find out later how. Yeah. How happened. But in terms we never know what that contract is. Right. No, I mean, why, like, with it, I, I don't like how they, either, though. Why they, why they let him compete? We don't yeah. have an explanation for that. Oh, we, we don't know the magical element, but we know why his name is put in there in the first place. Yeah, we know. Oh, we know why he competes. We competes. Be, he competes because it's a magical binding well, contract. Why nobody? Why? Why that seems to be the barrier. Yeah, he, I know. It's weird, right? Yeah, now that is weird. That is weird. I'm I, just like, what? That is weird. And it's the people so don't think it's real alone all he questioning the book. No. You know, Janina and Deb got questions, it's like it's a wrap. It's a wrap. Especially after we went through all of this stuff about the age, and then we're going to just, oh well, no, he's gotta do it. After this is like I love okay. this like, I don't want to get into we, we we're saving the, the task for the next episode. Yeah. But um I think ladies we did an excellent job so far at dealing with all the, the issues in our home. I see Janina the essay didn't go all over the place, right? But uh let me just say Next time uh, I ask for an outline, make sure it's in an outline format, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Very- you know what's funny? You know that you say that? The reason why it's like this is literally how I go about writing essays. So I believe I put, it. 
I would put everything that comes out of my head, just put it on a piece of paper, and, and then, then organize. And then organize it. I mean, oh, I want to be able, if I had magic, I'd be able to do it spatially, but this is, <laughs> I have to do it linear, in a linear fashion, which annoys me. Um, but so far, I mean, like, this is exciting. I'm really excited for um, our next episode. Um, All about the Triwizard huh. Tournament. Yeah. That's going to be fun. Yes, it, it really it really will be. I don't have a lot of gripes, I don't think. Mm. We're well, going to be... We're about... You're going to be positive. In the name, where the child name comes out of the cup. We're supposed to have a gripe with all of the tasks. Because <laughs> the tasks is, are great. This is child abuse, okay? This is, I love the tasks, though. The tasks are great. It, 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 the tasks are so magical, right? They're mm-hmm. so what you would expect in for children's book, you know, magical. Mm-hmm. And Deb, I'm so happy that you're here because so often you remind me that we're in fact dealing with a children's book, you know, that, that how I'm oftentimes projecting, do I know that children's book work uh, are sending subliminal messages to adults and acting upon children who will become adults later on, that it still remains a children's book in, in, in for all intent and purpose. But, mm-hmm. you know, the tasks are also such things you would expect from magical world, right? We get to deal with like, so it's rather interesting. I think we will be able to, in the next series, next episode, we will talk about magical creatures because they keep propping up that, you know, creatures yeah. who are not wholly 100% um, sentient. Oh, they are sentient. 100% um, humans. Right. Um, being. Though, and maybe Deb, <clears throat> at some point, Deb and Janina, I, I think I'm, I'm going to ask you ladies to help me out here somehow because. I want to know how a human and a giant get in together to have a baby. Okay, cut it oh, out. That's, that's a great place to end. <laughs> <laughs> Just putting that out there that we got some up. questions. And hopefully any of the listeners who are out there and comment could just pop me a note, something. Let me know. Yeah, oh, my gosh. <laughs> Deb, you're right. You're right. I shouldn't leave I, it alone. I need some brain bleach. <laughs> 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 so, okay. So you know what? I keep forgetting in the beginning. I should say we are solemnly up to no good. I should always sit up. I begin. solemnly swear that I am up, to, up no to no good. I mean, I do say mischief managed. You do, but you I better every, open it right. Every time I listen to it, I'm just like, oh shit! Like I should say this at the beginning because we're a hot mess. But <laughs> every time I'm just like, oh gosh, I only remember when I'm re-listening to the whole episode. But it's was fun, right. and I'm glad that we're here. But you know, and just a quick question. Let me ask you, which school do you want to go to? Do you want to go to Hogwarts? Do you want to go to Beau Baton? Or do you want to go to Joan Strand? I definitely want to go to Beau Baton. Mm. My girls it, are sexy. Yeah, they are sexy. <laughs> but apparently, Paul Flor de la Cordo seems to know much. And she was the first one to be like, Bless what is this little boy? What is he going to know? I'm just like, <laughs> girl. I'm, st- I'm, I'm going to Hogwarts. You we have a very own Ivanka. <laughs> oh my gosh! Wow, is that who you want to hang out with? No. <laughs> I would definitely want to go back to Hogwarts and be a good, good Ravenclaw. I, I want to be. I want to be exchange student, though. I mean, I'm going. Okay. I, I'm. I think I'm going to. Ex- we know I'm you're going to Durmstrang. We know, really. No, we no, know. No. Yeah, you are. Mm-hmm. Do I do love coats? Do I do love? Winter out of, out of gear. You know, I'm going to have a 
purple wine. You know, I'm going to have like... <laughs> but you know, in the movies, the, 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 the Bobaton girls showed up like they were going to secondary school. Uh, flight, they, flight they, they really do. Yeah. They don't look so sexy in the movie, the way that they're described in the books. In the I mean, movie, they just bring girls, but in the book, it's boys and girls. The boys look hot, though. In my mind, the boys were hot. The 17, I don't remember the boys. I don't, yeah, I don't remember the boys. Boys came. Of course you would remember the boys. But All right. They're half Vila. But I, I think it's only her, though. I think the implication is that. But I, I would think. Huh? It's only Fleur who's half Vila? I yeah, thought I think, so. I, I thought so because it comes up because of the wand issue. Um, oh. But it's also, um, if you notice, and just another quick point, notice how Ollivander says nothing about Harry's wand. And I thought that was kind of interesting and deliberate in this sense. He didn't say anything because he already, he knows. Though he's fascinated by Harry's wand. Well, he says, I remember this. But right. He but doesn't he, tell us he doesn't that say anything. it's that, the that same Phoenix is, feather as Voldemort's. Well, no, I thought I thought it was interesting for us, the um, readers, to remember what we had known about that. Yeah. But that information, if known to the public, will be problematic. Oh, for sure. Oh, sure. So that's why I thought that he never said anything. He himself didn't say anything out loud. Yeah, uh, yeah. But um, something I was going to mention with the um, well, thing, the impression I got from Beaubaton is that Beaubaton presumably let quote-unquote magical creatures enter into school there. That okay. they have a very much more open-minded policy. I mean, hmm. I mean, um, what's her name? Um, Madam... Madam Maxime? Madame Maxime, um, and but because Madame Maxime, to get that last name, Madame Maxime, I think has to be um, half French and half something else, half Eastern European, like um, because I don't think Maxime is necessarily is it fully French name. But anyway, um, I got the impression she being half giant and Floor being part Vila. I'm just like you know, even va- vampires come to school here. That's the impression. And Remember, Madame Maxime denies that though. Girl, I don't know. I don't know what you think you're fooling. Passing. <laughs> she does not identify as a giantess. Not. I, mean, I mean, sometimes Ron is really the comic relief. Ron be out here be saying, what does this girl think she's fooling? Like, I don't know who you think she is. Big balls. <laughs> but you know what's funny? Um, Just a, a quick, uh, I don't know if it's an um, allusion to so there is a um, comic book. I don't know if y'all are familiar with it in, in America. Um, the Asterix comic, which is set in um, Roman Empire time, the Gallic people. And there is a character called Obelix. And Obelix is really big and strong. And one of the interesting things about the Gaul people is that they have a magical person, like a wizard Dumbledore, um, Merlin, who provides magical potion, who gives them strength enough to they can fight off the Roman Empire. And what happens to Obelix, Obelix isn't allowed to take any more magic potion because he fell into a magical potion when he was a baby and so remain eventually strong. So I think Madame Maxi was trying to pass that off, like, you know, like she got some kind of bad potion as a baby and that's why she is big bounded. But like, girl, (laughs) (laughs) girl, we did that now. Oh my goodness gracious. But I thought that was so hilarious because... In my mind, I've never really, I don't necessarily 
though Hagrid size is constantly being mentioned, I never see Hagrid as being like massively big. Do you understand what I'm saying? I don't know if you it's don't? because No, I did. I did. I don't know if it's because of the team image. It's I because have you're tall and you think everyone is just no, I mean, overreacting. I mean, Hagrid <laughs> is drinking out of a bucket for tea. Okay? I mean, those things I mentioned. You know what I mean? Like, JK doesn't spend any, she, she doesn't spare any details as to what, how massive Hagrid is. But, I mean, I think I always see Hagrid as being not massive because he's friends with these children. Because he's gentle. And, and not only he's gentle, but he doesn't, he's the only person I think in many ways that doesn't treat the children like children, right? He, he gives them like, you know, full agency to be themselves, you know what I mean? And he, res- he respects their opinion and they respect his opinion. So in many ways, you know, because he has to literally talk down to them every time. I mean, do they constantly, you know, Hagrid gives me a hug, he's almost going to break my back. You know, Hagrid, mm-hmm. Hagrid is giving me... Hagrid, don't be baking, okay? These children do not want this, you know? I mean, it's like, Hagrid is still poisoning somebody. But, you know, I don't want to carry this on for too long. But, ladies, this was a lovely conversation. And I am looking forward to the next series. And for the next episode, we are going to deal with the task and everything leading up to the graveyard. I mean, leaving the graveyard for its whole episode. Because there's just too much gems and jewels. So much. Drama. Happening and in also the graveyard. The, we also we leave it so because we will do the big reveal after the graveyard. Right. Like so, everything. I mean, like it, reading this book is just like someone. Look, look, stop, 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 Jacob. We need to cut some of the earlier chapters to deal with some of the mess and that. You know what I mean? I was just like, you got me all like, but you have me in a lake and dragons. You know, I just that was, those things were just mere distractions. Like mm-hmm. the real drama is happening, and the book right is about here. to end right. exactly. So, so again, you know, the book four, as I said, it's it's done with the personal. We're just mainly dealing with the political of the magical words. So, um, I don't have any quiz question because most of the quiz are relatively simple. I mean, I don't know. I and because to... no one answers them anyways. Jerks. You know what? I'm gonna do a tribute for you, lady. <laughs> That's what I'm gonna do. I know oh. Deb doesn't like puzzles, so I'm not going to be puzzled. I'm just going to get random questions. Some of them are really simple. Um, I'm just going to give you ladies a little quiz at the beginning, you know? Be okay. like Snape. Be like Snape. I'm going to be evil. Y'all got Harry, po- Harry Potter Jeopardy? <laughs> yeah, you right. know, isn't Snape right. that teacher, right? Snape doesn't like you just giving you a pop quiz in the middle of class. It's like, you know, you're sure not annoying. No. <laughs> so, see you next time, ladies. And... I enjoyed this episode as always. Great being with you guys. Take care. Yep. Ciao, ciao. Yep. Mischief managed.